As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Ask NT Wright Anything podcast. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Justin Briley, Premier's Theology and Apologetics Editor, bringing you the programme where you get to ask the questions of N.T. Wright, renowned New Testament scholar, theologian, and a really nice guy as well, actually, as you'll hear on each show. Now, the programme is brought to you as ever with SBCK, Tom's UK publisher, and N.T. Wright Online, who put out Tom's online video teaching courses. And today we'll be tackling your questions on abuse scandals in the church and people who are disappointed with church uh we frequently hear from those who enjoy the show who've been finding it really helpful in their own journey um if that's you and if you'd like to rate and review the podcast that'll help other people to discover it as well so do give us a rating and a review wherever you're getting your podcast from it'll help others to discover it uh, you might equally like to send uh, someone who you think would enjoy the show uh, a link to it that's askntwrite.com and if you do subscribe there to our regular email updates then you'll get access to bonus content all the latest from the show and of course the chance to ask a question yourself as well also really appreciate those who take the time to support the show as well financially um, makes a big difference to us uh, these shows do cost uh, to get out there and we've got lots of plans for the future as well there's an exclusive show ebook that'll come as a thank you as well uh, 12 questions that tom responds to so again that's askntwrite.com if you'd like to get involved that way for now on to today's show Welcome back to another edition of the Ask NT Write Anything podcast. Uh, great to be joined by Tom again. Uh, but dealing with some difficult questions uh, that are potentially of a pastoral nature today, uh, specifically when church goes wrong, really. People who uh, fall out with their church, have difficulties with their church, individuals in church who abuse their authority and so on. Um, uh, these are these are difficult questions. Again, we'll be giving them the very brief treatment, uh, and there are many other places we could recommend to go for for more detailed uh, descriptions and uh, treatment of these particular issues. But um, our first uh, person wants to ask today about the Jonathan Fletcher scandal. Tom, this is Judson in Gig Harbor, Washington, and simply asks, do you have any comments on the Jonathan Fletcher scandal? Now, for those who may not be familiar with that and it, it may not be well known outside the uk in all honesty um fletcher was one of the ministers at a large evangelical anglican church in london um who it was revealed in relatively recently um was involved in emotional spiritual and physical abuse of some of the young men that he was um uh, mentoring uh, at the church 
and has overtones and shades as well of another abuse, major abuse scandal in the evangelical Anglican Church, uh, John Smythe, um, who was a leader back in the, I think, 70s and 80s at um, Bible camps. And uh, it emerged that he was also um, involved in awful uh, physical and uh, spiritual abuse of young boys uh, and young men. Um, so um, these have really shaken, I think, these parts of the church, haven't they, Tom? Some of these these abuse scandals that's come out that have come out. Uh, happy for you to just start where you want to on on these these stories. Yes, it, it, it's very difficult. I I didn't know John Smythe. I have known Jonathan Fletcher uh, not well, but on and off we've met, and uh, several of my friends were part of the movement of. Um, these particular boys' camps, which were ultimately under the umbrella of the Scripture Union, but a very kind of niche market within that, for uh, originally designed quite in a quite elitist fashion for um, boys from uh, top uh, independent schools uh, and so on. Though it then broadened out and included even people like me, though I went to the Scottish variety of the same camps. And I have to say, had there been the slightest suggestion of anything. As this has come out about Smythe with, with these violent beatings and so on, and Fletcher with the, the rather odd things that he seems to have got up to, um, we would have all been horrified. And, and this was not something where the whole movement had this side and we all kind of knew about it or joked about it or whatever. It was just not on the radar at all. So when something like this does come on the radar, one of the things I want to say is, sadly, church history suggests that this is not uncommon, that particularly when people become very intense in their spirituality, which in itself can be a very good thing, then that can and sometimes does stir up all sorts of emotions, which then easily can spill over into other areas, and especially when people have been through difficult times themselves or whatever. Um, uh, a generation ago, uh, a leading theologian, Donald McKinnon, wrote an article about two great German theologians from the 30s, 40s, 50s, um, Gerhard Kittel, who edited the massive theological word book and who in his own public life and private life was an impenitent Nazi and lectured in Cambridge wearing Nazi armbands and never renounced that. And then also Paul Tillich, a great systematic theologian who went from Germany and taught in America for many years, who was um, in uh, McKinnon's words, an impenitent seducer who uh, made very free with colleagues' wives, with uh, students' wives, with all sorts of all sorts of young younger women, um, and there are other tales which have come out subsequently in similar ways. So this is not it, it's not the case, in other words, that here is one particular evangelical mm. movement that oh mm. dear has gone off terribly off the rails, whereas nobody else, of course, ever does that. This has been sadly a feature of many parts of the church both in the high, high Catholic Church and rumours that come out from Roman Catholic circles and high Anglican circles, um, some of which I know to be true, um, etc., and certainly within liberal um, theology, as with Tillich, and even as with the great Karl Barth, who is still revered, but who for much of his sort of most productive part of his life um, had a mistress, an assistant, with whom he used to go and spend a month or two each summer working on his projects, and they were basically living together, even though he had a wife and children back home. Um, the, the question for me is, how can somebody who is uh, a, a practicing 
theologian teaching the faith um, allow themselves to get to this position? It's a question that as a pastor I have asked one or two clergy who have found themselves in serious trouble of this and related sorts. How did you even think for a moment that this might be okay? Um, or were you sort of living a double life or mm. what? And sometimes the answer has been that it happened by little steps. Um, something which seemed quite innocent led to something a bit more um, and nobody seemed to mind or seemed to be okay. And gradually it, it takes over. And so I, I don't want to probe the psychology of it, but that mm. as a pastor is something which I, people have said to me and I've thought, oh my goodness. And then one has to say there, but for the grace of God go I. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, let the person who thinks that they are standing take heed lest they fall. And that's so for individuals. It's also so for whole movements, because for years, for generations, that movement from which these scandals have emerged is um, has prided itself, pride may be the wrong word, on producing great Christian leaders. People like John Stott came mm. from that movement. John would have been horrified, appalled to hear of and know of the things that have happened. And uh, in honoring him and the movement that produced him and the movement that's produced many, many faithful, wise, biblically rooted pastors and teachers, and I know several of them, mm. um, that then one shouldn't pull down that whole movement because of that. One should say no, rather every bit of the church, every branch of the church has the capacity to go horribly wrong. And it doesn't take much to step mm. off the straight mm. and narrow and mm. to fool yourself that it's okay when in fact you're going down the wrong line. Mm. And I say that to myself as much as to anyone else. I think that's probably all that I can really say at the moment, unless you've yes. got an obvious no, supplementary. No, I, I, I won't really, because we, we have covered these issues elsewhere and um, there are many other sadly notable examples outside the Anglican Church uh, in the last couple of years, the Ravi Zachariah scandal, which we've spoken well, about yes. as well, Tom and, and yeah, others. Yeah. And I think the, le the church is learning lessons um you know hard lessons about what needs to happen the the kind of sometimes cult of personality that often feeds into these kinds of scenarios where people yeah, are given yeah, too much yeah, too much yeah. authority in a sense and and not not there is no oversight yeah. so people sort of assume the best when actually they should have been asking yeah. harder questions that's one of the critical things isn't it accountability and i know some christian movements including some in the free churches in north america which are always in danger of going in that root of the personality cults where where leaders will very intentionally belong to groups of three or four who will look each other in the eye and say how are you actually doing what's actually going on and trying to be open and honest with one another that in principle is a very wise thing as is the whole tradition of spiritual formation of of um, spiritual direction and so on though that too can of course be mm. abused as can mm. anything mm. Let's talk about some other problems people have been having with church. And some of these are inevitably pastoral as much as theological. Um, Elizabeth in Michigan asks, my husband and I have been disappointed and heartbroken by our church's lack of precautions during the pandemic. Now that we are going to be fully vaccinated soon, we're looking forward to going back to church in person again, but are really struggling with whether or not to go back to our church. We have loved our church but we're wondering if this indicates a serious indifference between how we and the church leadership apply the command to love our neighbours. Any advice would be so appreciated. Now, we wow. don't go know the full details of wow. what exactly Elizabeth's church's approach to the pandemic has been and, and so on, but they obviously she feels they're 
their particular way of dealing with it lacks the caution that she thinks is necessary um how, how should she respond yeah it's very difficult and i don't want to come on heavy on this yesterday i had emails from two very old friends almost exactly simultaneously one from the southern states of america lamenting the uh, careless way in which many people in that part of america seem to be treating the whole thing regarding vaccines and masks as a silly left-wing irrelevance which of course they should not need and so on and so forth and this friend of mine saying that he probably wasn't going to go to a big conference which is happening in a couple of months time because of that attitude simultaneously a friend from canada saying the rate of covid cases in canada is right down to almost rock bottom and yet our prime minister is now offering major inducements to states that introduce vaccine passports and that sort of thing and constructing a whole sort of theology of what was going on in terms of state control in terms of us all being reduced to a qr code or whatever and uh, seeing this as really scary and manipulative and so on so i'm faced with good and wise friends both of whom i love and pray with and for um taking diametrically opposite positions my own position has been much more like the first of those that i've had friends who've suffered from covid um, nobody that i actually personally know has died from it though one um, member of our extended family um, now in his 80s was in hospital with covid a few weeks ago and was firmly told by doctors and nurses if you hadn't had the double jab you would be dead by now and fortunately he has come through and is making a good recovery but when you see that um, then it seems to me it's like seat belts in cars i remember um, in the 1970s i think it was or 70s possibly early 80s um, when Maggie Thatcher was Prime Minister, um, a lot of people were saying we should make seatbelts in cars compulsory. And Thatcher and other libertarians were saying, no, no, this is a restriction on our liberty. And suppose you're in a blazing car and you can't undo your seatbelt, how terrible, etc., etc. Then somebody did the statistics and pointed out um, what it was costing the National Health Service per annum to patch up people who had been in accidents and had not been wearing seatbelts. And once you see the numbers, game over seatbelts became compulsory and it seems to me when the doctors are saying as they have been across a wide spectrum and i know there are counter narratives and i know there are conspiracy theories and so on when the doctors are saying doctors that i respect and trust look masks may not be perfect but they're a lot better than no masks the vaccines may not be perfect but they're a lot better than no vaccines then i think it's like seatbelts for goodness sake if you're driving up the highway get your belt on for goodness sake if you're going to church um, make sure that you're vaccinated and that uh, as and when it's appropriate you keep a mask on we have been wrestling with how much to loosen the mask restriction in churches here in oxford certainly in in recent weeks um, but those those are the that's where i would start and i really worry about the way in which these uh, conspiracy narratives have got a hold of people's imaginations and they feed off one another and people and social media of course um, blows all that up um, and I don't want to say that the conspiracy theories are always wrong but it seems to me there's a wide swathe of doctors around the world and certainly in this country who are not in the pay of some dark conspiracy at all they are simply trying to stop people from dying yeah. and I'm all in favor of that and so what about Elizabeth's 
question should we should she go back to church i mean what what might be a starting point for elizabeth i think she should i i i I always grieve when somebody says because of a or b or c i can't attend this church anymore um it seems to me church is always full of uh potential disagreements on everything from the color of flowers that you have at the front to the 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 kind of songs that you sing and certainly to policies about health and safety and so on and the way to deal with that is prayerfully to engage with the leadership uh, and to work with them um uh, and to say look we've got a problem please can we talk about it please can we pray about it sooner or later you may meet a brick wall where you just don't feel welcome anymore that is always a tragedy the the danger in today's western world um in our pick and mix world world is that one disagreement and we're off we're going to go somewhere else and and i don't hear that in the question but that is a danger Um, and i think we ought to work with church leadership wherever possible to try to find ways forward speaking of uh difficulties with church and um potentially unwelcoming churches as well james in georgia in the u.s uh, has a fairly long question here so uh, i'll read it in its entirety but this is obviously something that uh, james is is struggling with um he says i've decided to give this christian thing a try tom alas it doesn't seem like any church i go to seems particularly interested in having me as a member i've got no money i don't know any important people Having me as a friend or as a member of a church doesn't seem to have any apparent benefit to anyone else. So I spend some time trying to connect at a church. And then after a month or two of not being able to find anyone interested in getting to know me, I despair and move on. While reading Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy, and I've got simply Christian, so don't be jealous, says uh, James. Mr. Willard (laughs) mentions that most churches have a focus of making converts and letting discipleship happen, whereas it should be focusing on training disciples and letting converts happen. I've been trying to find a church where I can connect with a mentor, having no real Christian examples of a mature follower of Jesus, or walk alongside some other people as well as we try to figure it out. I've read C.S. Lewis, Willard, Murray, Nowen, Manning, etc., and the solitary reading is getting stale. I've no idea what I'm doing, and uh, theology, Bible, and God is all I ever really think about these days, to the point where I'd be interested in even possibly attending seminary. But should I? Is there a special clear calling one has to receive before that? I have no idea perambulating in a spiritual london fog in the deep south says james so maybe just at least starting with this problem james has been apparently having of not feeling like anyone's really bothered to get to know him perhaps he doesn't apparently doesn't feel like he has the right connection somehow for people to take an interest in him when he goes to church um i mean if if this is true and you know at face value we we will accept james's account of this um it's uh well it doesn't speak well of the churches james has walked into at this point does it tom no no, it it really doesn't and it's sad i mean if somebody came and knocked on my door or asked to see me here in oxford and told this story i would want to sit down with them and have a long cup of coffee and find out who they were etc etc and uh, as you say taking it at, at face value it sounds to me rather odd in that when I've been to churches as a guest in Britain, in America, in Australia, elsewhere, um, 
one sees all over the place welcome signs, welcoming groups, little notices in the pews saying, if you're new here, please fill in this form and give it to somebody. Let us know your email. We'd like to get to know you. Um, that's been something that many, many churches have done uh, in a way that never used to be the case and, and has, has grown over the years. And so it's really sad if, if this good brother um, doesn't feel that anyone is, is, is welcoming. And particularly from the New Testament point of view, I think of the letter of James, where it's very, very explicit that uh, if you get, if you find yourself in the place where somebody rich comes into church, you say, oh, how nice to see you. Please come and sit here. And somebody poor comes in, you say, oh, well, you can go over there. Um, th that's terrible. That's a denial of the gospel. And um, the poor and the disadvantaged and the, um, the, the people that nobody else really wanted are precisely the people that the early church welcomed and, and celebrated. Um, and uh, uh, in in one of the early fathers, I can't now remember the reference, um, th there's a thing which says that if uh, an uh, insider comes into the service late, then the deacons should welcome them and seat them somewhere. But if an outsider, somebody who doesn't belong to the church, arrives for the worship service, um, then the, the bishop himself um, should go to the door and welcome them and make it clear. And I've seen that done, not by a bishop, but by by a vicar of a parish, um, stopping in the middle of a service and going to the back and welcoming somebody rather strange looking who had just come in. It was a wonderful example. That's how things ought to be. Sadly, it doesn't work out. like So, so what to do for somebody mm. like this? Mm. Um, I think first to look around in the locality and and prayerfully see um, who there might be out there and actually to take a bit of initiative and to maybe send an email to somebody in the church leadership to say, look, I've been to your church two or three times. Um, nobody seems to want to know me. Could we meet or could I meet somebody on your pastoral staff and, and um, talk about how I might actually find a community in which I could be mentored and could learn and have a sense of what it might mean to grow in faith. Um, at the moment, of course, there are many online um, church communities. Um, in some quarters, more people have been attending church electronically than have actually been used to going um, in person on a Sunday morning. And it may be that this person could uh, start attending like that and then through that means find some real live human beings with whom he could actually go and share some sort of fellowship. Um, it seems to me that, that he needs to probe like that. Mm. Um, but my heart goes out to him because it's, it's a very sad story and it is an indictment on churches that do get closed in and and churches not only of the like-minded, but of the look-alike. Um, and that, that's that been a problem in some church growth patterns over the last years, um, that people have said, we grow churches by um, making more of the same sort of people come mm, together, mm. whereas the whole point of the church is supposed to be a multicolored, multifarious assembly mm. of all nations and races and tribes and tongues, where everyone would, in principle, be welcome. Um, and, and the only thing that counts is the desire to follow Jesus and, and believe in him. Well, I hope that's pointed you somewhat in the right direction, James. Um, as to your other questions, can I recommend you go and listen to some of the, the previous podcasts where we have talked about calling and vocation, and that might help to, to point you in the right yeah. direction as to whether yeah. you... Let yeah. me just say, yes. in, in America, people do sometimes go to seminary, um, not because they want to... Um, become ministers in the church, but they simply see mm. this as a way mm. of finding out more about sure. 
yes. what they're supposed to believe. Um, in Britain, seminaries tend to be for clergy training, yes. um, and uh, the universities are the places you would, or colleges, the places you'd go to get a degree in theology or religious studies. But in America, that does tend to be seminaries. So there's a bit of a difference yeah. there. Yeah. Well, prayers for you, James, as you as you embark on that. I hope you won't give up um, on church. It is um, no. Nope, we mustn't give up. Christian life is not meant to be done on your own, or just simply listening to podcasts like this one. Uh, it is meant to be done in community. So, um, yeah, we we wish you well on your journey there. That's all for this week. Thank you very much, Tom, for being with us, and uh, we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. Next time, we'll be looking at your questions on feelings and the Christian life. Someone who says that they just don't feel the presence of God at all and asks, can you help, Tom? That'll be on next week's show. Just a reminder that uh, one of our show partners, NT Wright Online, are offering a free ebook from Tom on the book of Acts to podcast listeners. If you'd like access to that, links are in the show notes with today's programme. Find out more about the show generally at our website, askntwright.com. If you're able to support us, help us bring Tom's thought and theology to many more people, we'll send you an exclusive show ebook, 12 answers to questions about the Bible, life and faith. Again, that's askntwrite.com and click on give and the links again are with today's show. Thanks for being with us and we'll see you next time.